Welcome back to another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. Today's file is 001, Truly, Truly Outrageous Chicks. We are talking about Gem and the Holograms, and we have a very special guest with us today, Laura Jernigan. Laura, welcome to Saturday Morning Confidential. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to have you. (laughs) Laura and I have been friends for a very long time and oh, bonded so over our, so long. <laughs> uh, but it feels like it was only yesterday. Um, but we bonded Neither over our mutual love. Undergraduate <laughs> students, but but we babies, but we bobbies. <laughs> um, uh, but we bonded over our mutual love of this franchise and this yes. uh, this this. Uh, neon colored uh, memory (laughs) (laughs) so I find for me the nostalgia goggles are real for this one oh it's real it's deep in the heart these goggles it's deep in the heart but I know you well but I want you to introduce yourself to all of our listeners at home oh hi hello listeners I am your every dream I am your fantasy I am truly 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 outrageous (laughs) Coming out to you from your very, the very depths of your dreams. This is Laura Best Jernigan. Um, actor, singer, writer, director, teacher, extraordinaire. Nice to meet you. She does, she does everything with such grace and class. Oh, she's, she's a true renaissance person. Uh, but Laura, you and I are big, big, like fans of being fans of things. And we love, Absolutely. we love things. Um, and so, what? Give me what something are your, to nerd out about. <laughs> oh, absolutely! But what are your earliest memories of Gem and the Holograms? Well, Matthew Ryan, let me tell you, um, I grew up in the middle of the woods in Sanford, North Carolina, and we got three channels—your standard mm-hmm. three uh, channels, no cable—and we could only get them if we used bunny ears and you held your mm-hmm. mouth just right, and the wind was blowing the right. <laughs> direction. Um, that is the only time that um, we could get anything on the channel. So uh, the only way that I could watch Jim and the Holograms is if we drove up to the video hut and we rented it on video, which is mm-hmm. why I know some sections of the cartoon much better than I know other sections. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. why until they put out Gosh, was it the DVDs? I guess it was until Mm -hmm. they put out the DVDs. I didn't know that there was a whole other theme song. I didn't know that there were two theme songs. Yes, two theme songs. I did not know about the, me and my friends are gem girls, gem, gem is my name. Gem is my name. I didn't know about that one. I was very confused and felt betrayed when I heard it. I was like, what is mm-hmm. this? They did not have mm-hmm. that on the VHSs, or at least they did not no. in my memory. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, yeah, that, that oh. was my introduction. And I'm pretty sure that the only reason that I got them in the first place was because there was so much pink on the cover. Everything I touched had to be yep. pink when I was that age. Of, co- of so, course. Of yes. course. Yeah, I remember, well, one, I was uh, a babysitter kid in the 80s, so, which then, when your parents paid for expensive babysitters, it just meant you got sat in front of a television. Mm-hmm. So, I remember all of the cartoons, but, you know, when you are when you have toddler brain as an adult, it's just flashes of things, mm-hmm. um, but then when, uh, I, like you, we didn't have cable at home, we got a couple channels on the um 
the antenna. But what I remember is Deke in the 90s. Deke Kids. Um, on like UPN yes. 20 in the yeah. mornings we could get. Yeah. They syndicate. So Jim and the Holograms did a ton of syndication. Yeah. Um, but this was also back when Deke had the rights to the first season of Sailor Moon. And so at like 4.30. or I remember Deke. Yeah. yeah. At like 4 or 5 in the morning. It was like 5 to 6. Um, if I was getting up early for school, I'd went, go out. And the only time we could get this one like UPN in, was in the mornings before the sun came up. Because for some reason, the moment the sun came up, we could not get that channel anymore. <laughs> so I would get to Grainy Watch, um, Sailor Moon, and Jim and the Holograms. Mm. And they imprinted so hard so on my hard. soul. Because so I have hard. a vivid memory of the the, the the full screenshot of Rio dipping Jim. Yeah. Yes. Like that, it is seared into my memory. Well, and so, you, you're... Two years younger than me? Three years younger yeah. than me? Mm-hmm. Something Two like years that. younger than you, yeah. So there's, so there's something very specific about even that much of an age difference when it comes mm-hmm. to your 80s cartoons because Sailor Moon, and I, and part of it was I didn't have any channels that got right. it, and she wasn't, you know, head to toe in pink, right. so I guess I didn't choose her right. at the video hut. Well, but, and she also, then she also didn't drop in America till like 94. Yeah. So like at she that point, like it would have been just past mm-hmm. my time. Mm-hmm. And just in terms of, I remember catching her cause my, my aunt and my cousin got cable before we did. Mm-hmm. So I remember catching her when we were visiting their house. I remember catching mm-hmm. her and being like, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is this incredibly wrapped up story? Why does sometimes mm-hmm. it seem so serious and sometimes it seems so silly? <laughs> I don't understand. I want to know I don't more. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild the things that are seared and so right before I met you was the first time that the DVDs got released. Mm-hmm. They did, but like they released it the incorrectly gem. where season DVDs? yeah, Gem. Yep. Yeah, Gem got Gem was released on DVD cuz I was living in Cary and I well, <laughs> and what I learned today was that they released they released it incorrectly, and season three never got a release in that original. Yeah. So it was I called season, season three. three. Yeah. Yeah, and it was called season three, but it was actually the end of season two. Mm-hmm. They like it was this one like season one, and then part of season two, and then part of season two yeah. was considered season three. It was yeah. very strange. But a girl that I went to Wake Tech with had them, and I was like, I have very vivid memories of this, mm-hmm. and so she let me borrow them, and I just kept watching them and watching them and watching them, and then you and I made friends and I came over to your house one day and you had them and I went, ah, so this is like a lot of people, oddly enough, remember Jim. And I was always under the assumption that Jim was not as popular as it actually was. And that like to this, like I didn't realize that for the first year that it was on TV, it was the number one rated, um, animated programming on the Nielsen charts, the old Nielsen family boxes. Did I know that? I it think I'm It number that. one. And I knew it was popular, but I didn't know that it was like the everything, which to me it was the everything because it was everything that is like a tiny queerling who didn't know he was a queerling, like <laughs> so much <sparkle>. embrace, <laughs> so much sparkle. And then as like a, a, a queer some 20 something, I was like, this is everything. This is she's, everything it is. She, she's well, glitter. She's gold. She's Broadway magic. Uh, she's Broadway magic. For me, she was part of the, um, not I did since Sailor Moon wasn't a part of mine. Mm-hmm. I appreciate her very much now, everyone, yeah. all you fans out there. I love Sailor Moon. Um, uh, 
for me, it was the main girl trifecta was Gem the Holograms, She-Ra, and mm-hmm. Rainbow Bright. Were my, those were my mm-hmm. girls. Those mm-hmm. were the three, like, I don't know. They just, they were... Can I curse on here? They were badasses yes. in their they own were, yeah, they were such glorious, badasses. wonderful mm-hmm. way. And they totally made me believe in girl power and that I could do anything that I wanted to do and believe in my dreams. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> and you could. You can. Look at, I was going to say, look at where we are now. But right now in quarantine in 2020 is not the place to look at. Let's, like, well, right well, now I'm well, in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> believe in your dreams. It's, it's believing your dreams. You too can be talking about eighties cartoons in a closet. <laughs> this, My favorite that's thing. Why I joked on Facebook this week that sometimes I feel like being a podcast host is running a really elaborate MLM, which <laughs> is a multi-level marketing scheme for anybody out there who's not listening. So Lularo, Mary Kay, Avon, just they steal people's time instead of their money and soul. So, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. Uh, so it was one of those really really interesting things that looking back that like I'm so excited that Jim is still remembered. And even this morning, I watched two of these really interesting documentaries that they made for the 2011 DVD release um, that came out from Shout Factory, where they released it in the correct order. They released it unedited, and it was the the broadcast versions of the. Was DVDs, it all three seasons? Can, all three seasons, I'm and the best those. part of it. The best part of it was they're like eleven dollars on Amazon a season. Yes. Like it's so, or you can get the whole thing for twenty bucks. It's so good. Um, I know you're now, in the middle I of a will, thought, but just yeah. to, to to talk about the releases really quickly, the th- great thing when it came out on Netflix streaming is that they had all mm-hmm. three seasons. All three seasons. And that was the first time that I had seen the third season in a very, very, very long time. And I always forget that the 13th season, or the, 13th the third season, season, the 13th season, the third season is only 13 episodes, yeah. like thir- and where the first two were like 24 and 26, which mm-hmm. there are 62 episodes altogether, which is interesting because it's another one. It's like you brought up Rainbow Bright and I'm continually have to be reminded Rainbow Bright has 13 episodes and one movie. Right? That's it. I always am like, there's more, right? No, that's it. That's all there was. No, there's not. And that's why I was like, wait, how do I only have memory of like six Rainbow Bright episodes? But it's because (laughs) there were only 13 (laughs) and three came out after the movie came out. (laughs) Um, But that was weird because it was a Hallmark release. So I'm sure I will do another episode about Rainbow Bright. But so today we're talking Jim and the Holograms. And so you and I are going to talk and just kind of kiki and talk about what we loved, what Maybe, you know, as adults, we're looking back and going, meh, and then kind of how it stacks up. And then we're going to bring on uh, Eddie, a friend of yours who I am meeting for the first time. Uh, But we are all gem girls. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about Eddie and his amazing collection. And then we're going to do some trivia. You guys are going to have a trivia showdown. So everybody hang out for the trivia showdown. Um, So... You know, I, you know, we were talking about this in, in the difference of doing a movie versus doing a TV show and kind of talking about the memory of it is it's like, oh, God, do I have time to rewatch 62 episodes of Gem? Especially because 22 minutes each or something. They like are. That. But the only problem is like <laughs> they're not streaming anywhere. So like I have the three seasons on DVD. And so I picked out some of my favorite episodes to like rewatch and just redo. But I pop Gem in often when it was on Hulu. I watched it quite often. I mean, just have it on the background. Well, so yep. like I said, I've only 
I remember watching some of season three when I was a kid, and I remember watching some of season three when it first popped up on mm-hmm. Netflix. So any of the season three trivia, I'm probably going to yep. fail. But I can probably, before I got the DVDs, I remember popping those DVDs in for the first time and going, oh my God, I haven't seen these in mm-hmm. at least maybe 14 years it's been since I've mm-hmm. last seen these and I can still recite all of season one word for word. I know yep. all of these songs word for word. How is that possible? How did it just get it's, right in it's there? It's that weird recesses. So I got to tell you, I did recently a lot of these shows, which is actually really good because um, the same thing that happened to Jen happened to Jem happened to the original run of My Little Ponies, which is My three seasons. Pony. Um, my little pony. Um, and, uh, what will today's adventure be? Um, and they're the real ones, guys. Oh, listen, the new ones are great too. They're just very different and ponies have been around for a long time. They've never not been around. Wow. I am going to do a My Little Pony episode that will be three episodes. We're going to do a whole history of the 30 years of My Little Pony. Um, (laughs) but it's that thing of I popped in the DVDs because so they got released about the same time on DVD and they were expensive. So this is back when DVD seasons were $50, but yeah. we all somehow found the money to buy them. Lord knows um, how. Oh, I remember so I remember when I got excited when I found Buffy for $25 a season and that was a huge markdown. Um remember buying and, and selling them to Edwards McKay's books and more. Ed McKay's. Oh. <laughs> I've uh, one of the girls I went to grad school with is from Raleigh as well. And Allison and I often be like, man, I miss Ed McKay's because <laughs> we didn't have one in Florida. So, um, but yeah, so I remember buying, like being so excited that I found my little pony. Cause that for me is like, I have the most vivid memories of my mm-hmm. little pony as a kid. Love and my, my so buying ponies. that and spending like 55 or 60 bucks at FYE mm-hmm. on that season. And then I sold it to Ed McKay's cause I was poor <laughs> at one point, but then, so I just didn't have it and it's never been uh, streamed anywhere. And then on Amazon, it popped up like six months ago. It was like the entire se- the entire series of My Little Pony for eighteen ninety nine, uh, and I went, "Done, we're getting it." And and they were like, "So for nine ninety nine, you can get all of My Little Pony tales from nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety three." And I went, <laughs> and they were like, "Hey," Excuse me? <laughs> and they went, "Hey, we have the movie for four ninety nine. Do you want that Shut too?" Up. And I went. I went Madeline Kahn in a My Little Pony movie. Yes, please. Carol Burnett and Madeline Kahn in a My Little Pony movie. Yes, please. I will take it. Um, So, yeah, it's one of those things that now, thank God for Shout Factory, because they've been doing so much to acquire these shows that literally because so like Marvel productions made these like and it was this weird thing of like Marvel did the production side of things and they did almost every 80s TV show and then Marvel Productions sold off in the early 90s so like that's when stuff got sold off for syndication Mm -hmm. and so stuff kept getting lost over time and people would like this just happened to anybody that knows Little Nemo and Slumberland that movie Um, (laughs) it was a oh if you saw the poster I'll send it to you because you'll remember it it's an anime movie that was dubbed in the 80s it's a little boy on his bed little boy on his bed do you remember the anime Little Women because we watched that shit all yes. The time. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because I loved Little Women as a child. Mm-hmm. I would alternate between that and the 94 movie with uh, Winona Ryder and Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. I loved both of them. What am I um, but what of? I, Nemo? What? Um, little, little Nemo and Slumberland. Little Nemo and Slumberland. 
it's 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 uh, oh, uh it a, it's like a late seventies early eighties anime oh, that got like that does I feel look like very people, familiar. If people see the poster and and it had real like I hate seeing real actors, but like well known actors at the time. This was before voice acting was like a super big <laughs> art form. Um, I love my voice actor friends. Don't get angry. I love what you do. You guys are incredible. Um, so um, but I don't know that happened, I ever saw this, but I do mm-hmm. feel like I at the very least remember seeing this VHS and like the Walmart yes. checkout line. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So it's um. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of the royalties and rights for these got left in the ether and nobody owned them because they were too expensive to keep and they weren't making people money. And so then um, the network, The Hub, started in 2010, uh, which was owned by the Discovery Network folks. And they syndicated all of these old 80s shows along with they're the ones that started the new My Little Pony, the new Liz mm. Pet Shop, the new mm. Strawberry Shortcake. Um, and so that they saw a giant spike in their ratings in 2011 when they added Jim and the Holograms to their network. <laughs> yeah. um, and, oh, they saw a massive bounce. And so they were able to do kind of everything that they were able to do. And that's when the new DVDs were released through Shout Factory, which Shout Factory also does the Power Rangers DVDs. They do anything that's an import, any of the 80s shows you can find, Transformers, any of that, the He-Man DVDs, it's all shop factory Mm -hmm. um what they've done is they've done high quality like editing um at low prices and they're seeing millions of copies being sold because if you make all three seasons of a show 25 dollars, you're going to sell 50,000 you know 50,000 in a weekend versus 5,000 at 50 dollars for even 20 a season so you know it's 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 a thing so jim has since 2011 really revamped and come back into the lexicon of things in a way that I, I just love. Yeah. Um, so what are some things for you that just, what are some things for you that even after all these years stand out about Jim and what you find still holds up when you rewatch Jim? Well, can we, cause, cause they followed the, he man, she bottle, right? There was dolls, and then they decided what to do. Yes, with those, yeah. right? So, yeah. So, essentially, what happened with this was, um, it was it was Hasbro, um, was because Mattel had Barbie. They always had Barbie. Yeah. Um, and like, um, I believe Mattel had Transformers. I could be wrong. That could have been Hasbro. Um, but what happened was, and Kenner was doing all the Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to do a fashion doll line that would rival Barbie um, and be competitive to Barbie. So they did what the He-Man, He-Man and She-Ra did, which was um, develop the toys, then develop the show. Um, now, where He-Man's toys came out first and the show was just to sell the toys, Jim was about to be, they wanted an equal pro- uh property that would cause the girls to watch the rest of the Saturday morning lineup, but also mm. cause the boys to still watch gem because they were already watching. And let um, me tell you, so that's one of the hooks that gets you about the gem, mm-hmm. the gem. And one of the things that, What's the language of suspicion? Works really well for is effective. The effective is use very effective. Is that they? It is. It's an. It, almost every story is an adventure story. Like there's mm-hmm. so much action and adventure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's an action. So like I can't tell you where where my love and came love came first mm-hmm. when it if it came from the show first or if it came from seeing the dolls first. Mm-hmm. And I know when Eddie comes into this conversation, we'll talk more about the dolls. Um, mm-hmm. 
But the dolls were still a big part of it, and they were. They were yes. bigger than the Barbie dolls. Her her earrings lit up, like, different parts mm-hmm. of them could move that the Barbie dolls could move. And, man, like, just those outfits were so good. <laughs> they were so good. Yeah, and so... <laughs> They did that, and they did, I mean, even in season two, they kicked into season two with a couple plot points that worked, but it was because Hasbro was like, we have developed these dresses, tie them into the show. Well, I mean, um, that's, they I ended like, up with two gems and two Rios, because one mm-hmm. were the originals, and one was glitter and gold gem and glitter and gold Rio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one of the highest grossing dolls sales of the last 50 years is glitter and gold glitter gem. And gold. Um, well, because also if you hear the stories again, this is another smaller example of histories written by the victor. So for those people <laughs> who have watched, um, watched the toys that made us on Netflix, which is an amazing documentary series. I've watched some of them. I just watched they, the one, the one that just came out about He-Man. It's a different, oh, it's but it's so just, good. It's yes. so good. Yeah. Um, well in the first season they did Barbie. And Barbie is a very long history, and they get to the 80s, and what did they bring up but Jim and the Holograms? Well, so Mattel would not be undone. Mattel, the women that were running Barbie were not the women you expected to be. You expected beauty queen style women who cared about fashion and makeup to be the ones designing and running Barbie. Well, they were these like amazing business driven women Mm -hmm. with design degrees Mm -hmm. were designing Barbie and they would not have another fashion doll on the market. They refused. (laughs) So what we learn is the typical Barbie line takes 18 months to come to production from Mm. first sketch to shelf to shipping is 18 months. Well, they hear from a little birdie on the inside of Hasbro that a music themed, and they said from the beginning over at Jim that the music was the biggest component to her story. And it so was. They had to, and it was because also we'll talk about it. The dolls came with a cassette of the theme song and yeah, two songs did. that connected to the character. Well, and because of that, did you know the gem, truly outrageous, the gem theme song went triple platinum oh by 1987 God. because they sold 55 million cassettes. I'm so they sold surprised. 55 million dolls. Um, so, so I'm so I'm sorry. I know you're in mid yeah, so good. but let's talk go. about that cassette for a minute because um, I don't know if it was just the ones that came with the dolls or if you could go out and buy them. But there was at least one that I had that on one side mm-hmm. had the songs and on the other side it had the songs without vocals so that you could sing along. Now, that might have come with, I once got the um, the speaker with the microphone. The yes. Room, and the speaker mm-hmm. opens up and it's a dressing room. It's a dressing room yes. for them to get dressed yes. up. So I think that might have come with the cassette yes, that so cassette that I could came sing. came with that. Mm-hmm. To the track mm-hmm. all by myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I love that you brought that up. And actually, you know, it's interesting is like this was such an interesting marvel of like figuring out how to sell merchandise, but also they wanted to make a show that stood on its own. And it's so interesting. It all the like older white girl, uh, white girls, all the older <laughs> white guys that were part of the making of this show to this day look back and go, Jim is one of the greatest things I've worked on and I legitimately loved this property. Which, hearing people talk about how much they love what they did, it's no wonder that everybody else loved Jim as well. Yeah. And that she has stood the test of time because when you've got these people who love what they are doing, writing the show, and even the voice actors talk about how they marveled at one, how quickly they recorded these episodes. Uh, Two, yeah. um, 
And just like the pure ferocity and like Wally, the guy that was the like voice director and head director of it, treated it as if it, they were doing Miller, like they were mm. doing Broadway. And yeah. so like they were like were, they recorded as a group together in a room. So they got to play off of each uh. other. And, and they just talk <laughs> about how they really tried to make Gem something so special that no one could avoid loving it, which mm. I think is really important. And that's why it's hard to hear the women at Mattel are still the, they're all alive. They don't work for Mattel anymore, but they are so proud to this day that they killed Jim and the holograms. <laughs> um, they, to this day still say they were like, it is one of the greatest career moves I've made was destroying that toy line. Mm. And they created Barbie and the rockers, which if anybody remembers the Barbie and the rocker specials were terrible. I dug <laughs> and found one of them and they are really bad. Um, but, you know, they just recently re-released the Barbie and the Rockers line. They updated it to look like it's 2019. And so that was cool. It did not sell at all. Completely different properties coming on to and 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 possibly competing with. Have you seen the um, the advertisements for that new Netflix show? Somebody in the Phantoms? Julie yes, Phantoms. it's yes, it's very it's very Jim and the Holograms, but in but instead of girls, her ghosts, her her band are ghostmates. I've heard it's really good. It looks like really good. For, and they also have like a a rival group who look like Jim and the Holograms. They are in pink hair and and red hair and blue hair. I think they're getting um, maybe uh, right what some of the troubles with Gem and the Holograms are. If you want to go into those real quick, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which yeah, well, I'm be, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, I'm the excited Asian to person see. being named Aja, spelled Asia. Look, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. It took me years to figure out what was going and, on there, and why why the one black character always had. Froey purple hair. I love and the froey purple hair. Give oh, it to her. Shayna was amazing, but also at the same time, it was like, okay, we're going to pick the most stereotypical things for these girls. Oh, yeah. And and Rhea uh, was not voiced by a Latinx actress and had the most thick. Oh, I mean, you know, that's those things, those moments of the 80s where it, it goes, oh, this is at the same time being like, well, you did include all of those cultures. Yeah, it was insanely it was diverse, stumbly and mm-hmm. maybe not done as conscientiously as it would be done mm-hmm. for today. But considering it was the 80s. <laughs> I mean, well, can you think of f- one black or brown character that's a human character in He-Man or She-Ra? I can't think of it. No, any. none. Mm-mm. Well, and even then there's not in we and we meet like five human characters in My Little Pony. There are none. There's never a black kid or non-white kid in Care Bears. Um uh, Transformers was only white characters. You know, it's one of those things. Rainbow that Bright certainly had diversity, but that was kind of the whole yes, point. Yes, she did. That was the whole point. And oh, I love Rainbow Bright and the color kids. The but color but kids. even then, like Indigo never talked. She barely That's talked. That's true. Um, and she's the. She might be the only. Wait, I thought there was another one. Oh. Crap, do I have to look up Rainbow Bright now? Was it just her? Is she the only brown character? It might just be Indigo. Why yeah, it might just be Indigo. And she looked like, oh, well, and the thing with her, she looked like Jasmine. She has the like puffy, <laughs> puffy pants and yes, the, the top. You know what's funny about Rainbow Bright when you think about it? They're all toddlers. 
Like, they are wh- all toddlers. When Wisp, when Wisp goes to Rainbow Land, she's four years old, which mm-hmm. then it's like when Brian is introduced, it's like he is 10 years old. Why is he making friends with a four-year-old girl with a magic belt? <laughs> I've never read a, I've never seen a more proper gay analogy than that one. Because <laughs> Brian put the rainbow key into his closet and ran into Rainbow Land. <laughs> um, but I will say, well, and then we've got all of I will Didn't say Bonnie <laughs> Bonnie's story is a little heavy handedly Asian in the way of like they made her very yeah, very Asian stereotypes. But but um yes. but because yes. you and I talk about the Bonnie story often because it's literally oh. Miss Saigon before Miss Saigon happened. Because oh. like this it's Miss Saigon's well, child. When, before yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the sequel to Miss Saigon before. Yes. But it is that interesting thing of the 80s. They were addressing that, like, the Vietnam War had literally just happened. It just so happened. a lot of, you know, it's 85. Those kids who are going to be the illegitimate children of American soldiers would be 8, 9, and 10. They yeah. would be very young. Oh, we want um, to talk about some things that they did really well and some things that I yeah. feel like one of the reasons yeah, they should probably bring this show back and do something some cool things with it is that it's a group of foster girls foster girls yes it's this this Mm -hmm. this focus on charity and kindness and generosity Mm -hmm. and 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 forming a family that's not necessarily your blood family Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and being there for each other like it's there's Mm -hmm. so many of these themes like i still to this day I'm 37 years old. Hello. Um, still to this day, I want to get rich and famous and then Oprah, open the starlight, open the starlight home for kids. Yes. yes a big mansion yes. where a bunch of foster kids mm-hmm. can come run around. I want to do it so bad. I think it's such a good But have it be a idea. performing arts school. Performing arts school. Performing... And boys and girls well, it... are both allowed, not just girls. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even then the later series we get, I rewatched the episode today where they do meet the homeless boy. Mm-hmm. And there's the whole issue of them, like they tackle like ending child homelessness and like, yeah. um, and like pushing, like there, that was a thing is they were able to do really specific episodes or the actress that played Jerrica t- and Jem talks about the episode, um, the history of, I believe is the episode title where we meet Jerrica's mom and we meet mm-hmm. Jerrica as a child mm-hmm. and those talking about the idea or even, um, the episode where the holograms go and they meet Pizzazz's dad for the first time. Mm. And it's when uh, Kimber is dealing with the fact that she just misses her mom in so many ways. Mm. And that Jerrica, while she tries to protect her, will never replace her mom. Right. And so, or, or not replace dealing her mom and her dad. But she's here. Yeah. And so, and then it's them realizing that like Pizzazz, Phyllis is just a really deeply traumatized woman who's learned to project through her money and status uh, to deal with her trauma. And it's one of those things that it was one of the first times I remember them really making you have a heart for the villain because you're seeing Pizzazz acting out in such a way that it is, it is amazing. And so I, I agree with you and we'll get to the point where we talk about bringing it back because we'll talk about the comics a little bit from a couple years ago. Um, That's something you should talk about with Eddie. I haven't actually read the comics. (laughs) He's got them all. (laughs) Um, I love it. So we'll, we'll do that when, when Eddie pops in. But um, so what are some other things that you think they just handled so well, especially considering this was really a, so an animated soap opera. 
was what yeah. this was. It was a, t- and it was also because the teen girl market was being forgotten because they were acting like you're, you hit 13 and suddenly you need your secret diary and <laughs> your makeup products and you're pining after the boys while the boys were still being allowed to play with their Optimus Prime doll. That's very true. Uh, figure when they're 13 to 18 and the boys don't have to grow up, but all the girls need to become tiny women. <laughs> So what are some other things for you, Laura, that you think just are really stand out that you think have kind of stood the test of time? Well, one thing that they are these women who are in control of their own lives and in control of their own destiny. Um, they're boss ladies, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, Jerrica's a boss. Mm-hmm. I do think that is one of the things that um, is a, can be a little troublesome with it is like, how old are these? How old are these women? That's <laughs> when true. When you first start, you're like, are they 16? Are they 20? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, also the eighties and they're all fashion doll bodies. So they could be 16 or 40. You do not yeah, know. I <laughs> but yeah, they totally are, you know, take control. Uh, they all, they all have incredible amounts of agency, um, mm-hmm. which is just awesome to see. Um, especially in a cartoon, you know, marketed for little girls. That's exactly what oh, you yeah. want to see. And let's not oh, yeah. gloss over the music. The music was amazing. It's the music was so good. They it's did so oh, good. I still listen to yeah, it. Oh, I have every song saved on my computer. A show bit, Spitfire, Paige Turner from New York. She's a New York icon, legend, drag, drag performer. Paige Ga- Turner. Paige Turner, she's so good. We'll have to get her on the show. Um, made gave me a CD that she had burned of every gem song so good. that I have held on to through every move, despite not having a CD player. Sometimes it's currently in my car, and I was jamming out to Broadway Magic yesterday because it might be my favorite gem episode. Mm-hmm. But I'm also I'm also partial being a theater human, and you know, but um, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was another thing that Barbie had attempted to do for years. And again, I do think it's hard to talk about Jem and not talk about Barbie a little yeah. bit because of the idea of the fashion doll yeah. and the fashion doll wave. But, you know, Barbie's always done that thing, especially in the 80s, where she was like, I could be everything. A woman can be everything. But where Jem literally was everything. She was a race car driver mm-hmm. for Starlight Music in one episode. She was a movie star. She was a music star. She was a Broadway star. She was a CEO and she Ooh. was the HBIC. Yes, like, she was. Like, and that you reminded know, it's one me, of those things. One of the things they got right, they did have that whole episode where basically they were like, remember how white people stole all the good music from black people? That yes. was that one yeah. episode that they tackled that whole topic too. Yeah. And, and mm. even you could tell later they were trying to figure out stuff to do. There's the great book episode, like the library episode mm-hmm. where it's where they just talk about the journey of books. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think the song Rockin' through time. It's one of my favorite gem <laughs> songs. It's so fun. But yeah, they did it also in a way that it made it interesting. It didn't feel like they were doing a very special after school episode of anything. Right. Um, and it's also a show that I felt like I could, you know, I still feel like you could put a child in front of and not have to explain too many things to them. Yes, exactly. Um, it was really good storytelling. Mm-hmm, it was excellent mm-hmm, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So and, and, there are these, oops, go ahead. There are these kick-ass women um there was this kick-ass music um and 
There was lots of pretty colors, lots of great fashion, mm-hmm. uh, lots of adventure. And, but it was all centered around like, it was all like a great big anti-bullying campaign and about mm-hmm. having compassion for each other and mm-hmm. taking care of each other. So that's, that's what drew me in. And that's what kept me in from beginning to end. I mean, that, that yeah. sisterhood of women in that band and how much they mm-hmm. were there for each other and only two of them actually being related by blood was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty outstanding to see. Well, and so, and they also weren't afraid to, and sometimes it was a little melodramatic, but also because there's the whole arc where Shayna leaves to follow her dreams because it's like Shayna loves making music with them, but she's also a designer. Like she is a, and if we're led to believe by the show, she's a brilliant designer. She's a very, very good designer. Um, And she's like, I'm tired of just designing clothes for you bitches. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, well, and then when they're like, let's switch up, let's, you know, when she's, um, you know, that's when they bring Raya in Mm -hmm. and we get the fifth, we get the fifth, uh, hologram and, um, you know, and and she knows like, oh, I guess I can't come back. And the whole time she was like, well, I don't just want to play drums. Let me do something else. Exactly. She can play multiple instruments, which I also mm -hmm. love. Something that I think is really interesting was from early on that even though, again, at times it was melodramatic, they were giving young women and young people, it wasn't just a female centered thing. They were giving young people the vocabulary to discuss their own agency that they would need to with adults. And they didn't speak down to the children in many ways, especially the Starlight girls. Like, and they let them fuck up hard. Like (laughs) Ashley fucks up a lot. Like, in the episode where, like, she's like, I don't care that I stole from the house. And they were like, well, cool, but, you know. Yeah. Um, Ashley, but, you know, it's what's one the name of the girl who gets hooked on drugs? Chrissy? And tries to fly out of her window. Is that Chrissy? I can't remember. I think it's Chrissy. I don't know. Um, uh, the, she's the Starlight girls tend to. Uh, yes, it's Chrissy. Yeah, they but they tend to blend together a little bit, too. But we do they get. They blend together. The and five... you also start to notice you're like. Is that the same voice actor who plays Pizzazz playing that Starlight Girl right now? Yes, and it actually is. They had a really small voice acting cast, which made the most sense. And it means, because they also talked about that for the time, they made a ton of money on this show. Yeah. Um, With such a low overhead. Well, and that's the thing is it was like five or six of them. And what's really interesting, and I love now, um, the woman who played Jerrica, the woman who played... Um, Pizzazz and the woman who played Britta all live within a block of each other in, in Nashville and they're all friends, which <laughs> I, I love. I love that. Um, I love that so Start much. Start a band, um, ladies. Do it. I'll buy that do album. But, but I do think it's interesting that the actress who played Jem, whose name is Samantha Newark, um, did not sing for Jem. Uh, Jem was sung by a... We, you will recognize her voice a lot. Uh, Britta mm-hmm. Phillips, who sang for Jim. She was she did a lot in the 80s, um, but she was not a trained vocalist either, which I do find also interesting. Right, because um, she hit some high notes. Okay, fun Such story. Such a soprano note. Those notes re- coming out of Jim. <laughs> well, and she said they were high. It's higher than she'd ever sung. Um, now, this is the bad story of, of things they didn't do well, so I'm, I'll save this story for a bit. But she said that she went in for her audition. Her audition was singing Truly Outrageous. They liked it so much that they kept it, and that's what they used for the show and the doll commercials. Wow. And she was so sick. And if you listen to it, I'd never heard it before, but she's like, I had a heavy cold, so everything sounded muffled out of her nose, which anybody that knows how your resonator works mm-hmm. and how you make the sound, it sounds caught in her nose. And I listened to it, and she's like, you know, it's a thing that now as a professional adult I'm a little sad about, but she's like, you know, 
uh, then it was fine. Um, so we'll get back to the rest of Britta Phillips' story. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's one of those that it also, it just gives me the warm fuzzies. Uh, it it gives, really It does. catches me in the feels. Um, it's a thing where I feel good about being nostalgic about this property. Yeah. Um, ultimately I mean, there was in- a little bit of a rewrite of history because they, you know, I love an underdog story. It's why I like yes. She-Ra better than I like He-Man because we're rooting mm-hmm. for the underdogs, oh, yes. the rebellions, oh, yes. like Star Wars, the rebellion. Um, so uh, they, they kind of, um, they have Gem and the Holograms as like the underdog band. Yeah. Um, which in the true history of punk rock, they would totally be mm-hmm. the misfits and pizzazz who would be yep. the underdog band and the underground band and the band coming up from mm-hmm. behind that was fighting mm-hmm. for for legitimacy, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And Jem mm-hmm. is the pop band. They are extremely yeah. a pop band and they would have been oh, very the pop. easy mm-hmm. listening airwaves. They would have taken mm-hmm. over. So there is a little bit of a rewriting of history there. And oh, I certainly absolutely. like Jem, I certainly like um, the Misfits a lot more now as an adult than I did when oh, I yes. was a child oh, yes. watching them. Oh, yes. I'm oh, like, yes. I equally want to be both of these bands. <laughs> I equally oh, yes. want to be both of these lead singers <laughs> so much. Absolutely. You with your so, lightning earring over here. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. If my you, yeah, everybody can't see it, but I've earring. got my my jub my jubilee from X Men t shirt, <laughs> my 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 uh, neon uh, yellow lightning earring. It's so pizzazz. Um, pizzazz would love that earring. Yes. Oh, and we love pizzazz. We love we love. Though it's really funny hearing all of their real names. Like I forgot that most of their real names and looking on on. I was like, these are the these are the most I was born in the nineteen sixties <laughs> names ever. <laughs> like it's so it's so. Funny, Phyllis. Um, Gabor, uh, great. Gabor, Phyllis Gabor. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense because of the the Gabor sisters, and that just makes a ton of sense. Um, so let's talk about it. What are some things that you think weren't so successful through a lens of of now, or things that you wish they had done a little bit differently now? I think we hit on some of them with um, mm-hmm. Bonnie and and Aja. And Shayna, <laughs> and that little bit of um, mm-hmm. punk versus pop. Um, yeah. But I also think, poor Rio, I think the Rio storyline could have been, I uh. think they had to have a love interest. They, You know, like, I think there's a little bit having to do with... Um, um, as a feminist, looking back on it, um, having to do with the male-female hetero relationship, not yep. to mention it being extremely heteronormative the whole way through. Oh yes, which was it's the eighties, so it's pretty normal. Yep. You know, yep. I don't know. I, did they address that issue in the comics, or there's some, are there some gay characters? They in the do. Yeah. Oh, it, they. Th- well, the woman, the uh, Ella, the. Uh, illustrator the artist Get for out, the Maddie. um <laughs> <laughs> the artist for the original run is a trans woman yes. like they leaned in yes. like oh yeah well when 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 Eddie's on with us in a bit we'll we'll cover the comic a little bit because it, it is the most perfect modernization of an 80s property that has existed it is utter perfection mm-hmm. they did nothing wrong mm-hmm. um and everything that we've actually talked about they've addressed in a really delightful way That's amazing. i think 
for me, and again, it's the 80s, so it's a time of power women and diet pills and the <laughs> supermodel. There, There yes. is one body type. There yes. is a single body type. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you And on the that. only only heavier people we see are uh, like the older white guys mm-hmm. with power and money. They're the heavier guys. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, Something it's the, again. Shira addressed so beautifully. <gasps> mm, oh, oh, the new, the I could new scream about Shira. the new Shira for hours. And that's why I would love Noel Stevenson to tackle Gem in the Holograms. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Give I'm us, so here give, for that. Mm, DreamWorks, I think DreamWorks should handle it. Jeffrey Katzenberg, I know it. Jeffrey, I've called you the enemy of the pod for like a year. Um, I'm really sorry. Uh, that was some Disney stuff. I have not forgiven you about Howard Ashman yet, but like Jeffrey Katzenberg, Quibi, call me. Let's let's do a gem show, my dude. Let's figure it out. <laughs> um, but so I think for me, it's that I, you know, but it is funny though because in any other story. It's expected for a male rock star to kind of lead girls along the way that, like, Jerrica led Rio along. And I get that she was, like, my secret. But I was, like, the first person you could have told was Rio. Yeah. Like, it was actually really insulting because we find out that they've been friends since childhood. Since childhood. He's a part of that family. Yeah, and there's the fact no that, reason why the hologram should know, and he wouldn't know. He's also at right. their roadie, a part of an equal part of that band, and their security. He should know more than anyone. Like exactly, he, he, and he would act. There is no way he wouldn't keep that secret. Like so, listen. Who'd you the, just call upon, rewriters? When you rewrite this, can we get Rio in on this story? It would actually make it so much more fun. It would give us so many more storylines. Yes, it would yeah. still be hard for him to reckon with mm-hmm. the fact that he has feelings for both of these women. Mm-hmm. And it's the same woman. Yeah. That would be fascinating. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it's a Clark Kent thing of being like, how can you not tell she's the exact same voice? And the only difference is pink hair and a better outfit. Yes. Like, <laughs> sh- lean into and it. More but makeup. also, and more makeup. But, you know, that's also the. During this time, they always needed. It was like every couple of episodes, they were like, oh no, we haven't given the girls. A love interest, it means they have to have a love interest or like Which the part one of me black- is totally here for, by the way, right? as a lover of romance. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. And and as a hetero uh, woman, please put some <laughs> yeah. eye candy on that screen for me. Thank you. Oh, and all <laughs> the men are very the men are very cute. Yeah, um, I love the men are. I love Craig Phillips. He's one of my favorite. Yes. And all the fun, terrible accents that we get. You know, it's that is the thing. And uh, or even like. You know, it's good that Shayna has a really great guy in her life, but, and that they, the one African-American guy that we get, he's like a really amazing, upstanding guy. He's a business owner. He's intelligent. And an incredibly talented director. And which is against the archetype of almost all black male characters that we had at the time. So like, that was also really good, but it was also like, oh, so they have to end up together because they're the black characters. Okay. Uh, You know, again, that's me being nitpicky. No, no, I'm there with you on that one. But and, you know, it's one of those things that in this situation, I also don't mind the lack of like queer representation again, because, again, I acknowledge that it was 1985. We're in the heat of the AIDS pandemic. So, like, it's that's just not a story you're going to tell. And it's it doesn't of the time. Me. Yeah. And, Can we talk and, a little bit about what accent is Aja supposed to have? That's the other problem with Aja. It's like, I don't I'm not sure know. what accent this is. Like, what are I don't you? think that <laughs> I don't think they knew either. And mm. it shifted a lot. It shifted I feel like so it's, much. <laughs> I feel like it's something that like, 
her family was from somewhere, then they lived somewhere else. So like her parents dialect adapted to something else. And then she grew up in central California. Like it's one of those things that like, if they did that on purpose, that'd be great, but they didn't do that on purpose. (laughs) They didn't. I think they wanted to make her somehow exotic. It's that idea that like Asian women are exotic. You know, it's this, this thing, which again, you know, that's another talk about how they were kind of, the Spice Girls before the Spice Girls, because Aja was totally uh, they sporty absolutely Spice. Were. Absolutely, she absolutely. Was I agree. Well, I'm sorry, Jim and the Holograms walked so that the Spice Girls could run. Oh, I'm just gonna say it. Oh, dang. And I, lo- <laughs> and I love, I love the Spice Girls to this day. But I also said that, like, so I was on Case Aiken's podcast, Another Pass, and he and a great DJ and I uh, did Spice World, and his show is all about giving not-so-great movies another pass and how we can make them greater. <laughs> it was so good. And I even said, I was like, this movie is asking to be a gem in the holograms movie. Mm-hmm. Spice World is asking. But, you know, that was the 90s. People had pretty much forgotten about also it. It was just a kid syndicated. That cast of that movie is stupid. So <laughs> well, stupid. or you and you and I love the Josie and the Pussycats movie. That Josie. was also a Jim the Holograms movie. Well, that was the problem is when they made the Jim the Holograms movie, they just lo- went looked at Josie and the Pussycats and went, "Okay, that'll do." But and they literally hair. just copied it, but with pink hair. And so we're not talking about that movie because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Um, the only th- the I only still thing they did right, it, people. I haven't either. The only thing they did right was Juliet Lewis as Erica Raymond was genius <laughs> because she's also was an '80s icon. And then Molly and then Molly Ringwald is their aunt, like having an aunt as their like family unit, mm-hmm. and it being Molly Ringwald made sense because '80s they're both '80s. Icons. And I think um, they're all like fostery adopted kids too, yeah, right? They were, they're, they're they were still all, a foster yeah, family because yeah, they were that's something sixteen year old they, foster sisters. They don't talk about a lot in the tro- the show, but I think is right. the original story is that all of the holograms yeah. are foster sisters. They're all yeah. family, yeah. even if Jerica and um, Kimber are the only ones that are um, yeah. blood related. Yeah, yeah. And even then, at times they make us think that like Kimber might be. Adopted. Uh, is Gimber adopted? Or I don't think Gimber's. Like I don't fan, think she is. But remember the fan, the fan movie oh, that came yeah. out. Which one of them oh, was a yes. robot? I oh right. I think Kimber was a robot. <laughs> yeah, I think Kimber was a robot. Yeah. Poor oh, that fan movie was great. But like, you know, people have remembered through its faults. People have loved Jim and the Holograms for years. Because like, but when you and I still lived in North Carolina, before right before I moved to New York, there were they were doing like shadow performances of Gem and the Holograms episodes in New York at nighttime like you do Rocky Horror. Really? And it ended just about the time that you and I moved to New York. Oh, yeah, it ended man. about that time. I know, I was so upset and like um, it was, I was so looking forward to that. Because we one was, more thing to do at night. Listen, people right, out there right. in Radio Land, I don't know how we did it. Matthew Ryan, I don't know either. Limerick and I shared a room in Brooklyn <laughs> for the first year that we lived together. And um, I don't think we were ever home. We made no money. We were so poor. And we went out all the best time. The time. time. And had so much time and rarely paid for our drinks. It's true. But also, let's let's also talk about how we kept going to Latitude, even though we knew all of us were getting our debit card numbers stolen from Latitude. We were being frauded. (laughs) 
constantly because you had like six months where like four times your debit card got stolen. Oh, yeah. It was every three month months. Pro- it five, was awful. Yeah, it was every three months. And, and we were like, I wonder what's happening. And we were like, oh, it's every time we go to La- Latitude on a two-show day. Um, and we all but yeah, the, the, we were always out. But let me tell you, we were happy. We were having a good we time. We were having a grand old time. I, I get my liver enzymes checked out now and they go, why is your liver at half capacity? And I go, so what you need to understand about my 20s in New York City was I was never sober. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's who it was a time. But, yeah, I, I understand why there are hardcore fans. And something I'm interested to talk about Eddie with when when he joins us is like many things, the biggest fans of Jem are gay men like Jim mm. is a queer icon which if you look at her if it makes a ton of sense if you look at it if you look at it from also, that perspective you're like this was made for gay men this was not made for little girls this was made for gay oh, men good. also Lady Gaga would not exist without Jim and the Holograms oh my god Gaga I Gaga. mean I, w- I was expecting because Gaga had was in her peak her first big peak of when she was able to do whatever she wanted about the time the movie was coming out. I was like, where's, where's my Gaga gem movie? Where, where is it at? <laughs> Give me that Gaga gem movie. I mean, she's a terrible, now that we've seen star is born and we know she's a say, terrible did actress. You know that that movie was going to come out years later, but it's going to be it's called so star is born and be much more uh, serious. Uh, <laughs> a much I still more haven't serious, watched that but, one either. But, But, uh, Laura, I think this is a good time to transition into a break. And when we come back, we are going to have Eddie with us and roll into more of our fan chat with Jim and the Holograms. Jim will be right back after these messages. Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming. Welcome back, Starlight Girls. <laughs> so, Laura and I are Always joined by someone who is an even bigger gym fan than I am, mm-hmm. Eddie Ariola. Welcome. Hi. Welcome, Eddie, Hi, to the first episode of Saturday Morning Confidential. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, I'm glad to be here uh, with you guys. So Laura and I have talked about uh, where Jim has come from, and so you are a huge fan. I want to talk about, we're going to talk the dolls a little bit first starting, and then roll through, because okay. uh, I think the Integrity dolls are a big part of like the long-term future lineage of, of Jim, and they're very important to you. So, But Eddie, I want you to introduce yourself to everybody. Tell us about your love of Jim and how you discovered Jim and the Holograms. Yeah, so um, it was really back in the 80s, uh, my... My family was separated, um, and my sister, Nikki, my older sister, she had all the dolls, and I was obsessed with her dolls. So whenever we would come and visit her, we would play with her dolls, and we'd watch the TV show, 
and when we were, you know, old enough to start having toys, um, mm-hmm. Jim was gone. Uh, and and once again, sorry to interrupt, just because we had a little bit of a conversation before we started to hit record, um, because I do this too. Eddie and I are both twins. Yes. So when he's saying right. we, he's often talking about himself and his twin brother, just for those I out there that. who didn't know that. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, Jim really connected to me because I do have a twin and, you know, I was always more reserved, like. Jerica and Scott was more outgoing, Aww. so he was more of the gym type, and we just really bonded uh, over the show and the messages that they had about you know friendship and love, and it was glitter, fashion, and fame. Yeah. So it was, it was exciting. <laughs> it was fun, and you know. We- also to note, um, sorry, Eddie, uh, Scotty, his twin brother is now a fashion designer. Yes. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> he works at Wrangler uh, there in Greensboro. And I'm a graphic designer. Uh, so amazing. We're both, like artsy and creative. Which makes which makes a ton of sense being uh, inspired by those amazingly awful and wonderful neon colors of the 80s and the big flashlight. So good. Uh, for any all of our the listeners, yeah, <laughs> for for all of our listeners who can't see, Eddie has this amazing setup behind him, which there will be some video available through our Discord in certain point of view. So check us out on there. Uh, but Eddie has a full setup with one of the original gem boxes in the background, and so it's just I barely remember the gem dolls being on the shelf because I was born in '85 when the show started. Um, and so, like, it was just running out when I started having those memories. I remember more of, like, My Little Pony and things on the shelf, but not Gem. And so, but they're just so appealing. I could have imagined being a little bit older and walking down the aisle and my parents of having an even harder time with their obviously very gay five-year-old <laughs> that just wanted dolls and ponies. <laughs> I don't remember them being in the store. I remember them being in the catalog, and I remember mm-hmm. the commercials for them, but mostly the catalog. Ooh. And I didn't ever get the full line because, like, they didn't, they didn't run the way that Barbie dolls run. They weren't available mm-hmm. everywhere. So, yeah. like, my parents couldn't find the hologram dolls anywhere mm-hmm. in Sanford, North Carolina, which is... Part of, um, they probably also couldn't afford them because we were poor. So <laughs> that's part of the reason why I never got the, all of the dolls, you know, because yeah. they couldn't be found. Well, and that was one of the, the downfalls to Jim was the size of the doll. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the boxes are bigger, uh, retailers had sh- uh, set shelf sizes and they couldn't fit mm-hmm. the whole doll in. So they would end up... Putting no them, you know, on the, you know, on their backs mm-hmm. and you, you know, made it hard to see. Uh, yeah. So it was hard for people to find. And a yeah. lot of retailers didn't want to carry it because of that, uh, yeah. because they wouldn't sell. If you can't display a doll and it doesn't sell, like why even try to carry it? Right. Right. Yeah. And I brought up with Laura earlier the story of of uh, Mattel, like trying to do everything they could to kill the gem line. Oh, yeah. And wanting to kill the gem line. They actually there were no dolls that were released in connection with season three because of that, that they had pulled. They pulled the production at that point. So that last season of the show broadcast with no new dolls that were being released, which 
is such a shame oh, yeah. because even though Barbie from the time is really interesting, these gem dolls, like I have eBay alerts set up for all of the original dolls and the integrity <laughs> because I am determined to find a mint in box glitter and gold gem in Rio that doesn't cost me a house deposit. Uh, Because <laughs> that's the funny thing is like we also talked about that first line of dolls sold 55 million dolls because there were that so many, many records that were yeah. sold. Mm -hmm. And so it's shocking now that you go on eBay and a naked doll can run you $30. <laughs> um, but a lot of these dolls, like many Barbies and My Little Ponies from the time, did not... Uh, they did not age well because, you know, people... <laughs> you, you They were well played with. Mm -hmm. um, right? That was the so. point of getting them mm -hmm. when yeah. you were a kid. It was not to collect them. It was because I wanted to play with them. I wanted to dress yeah. them up. Oh, I wanted yeah. to move Jem's hair into the hat mm -hmm. so that it was just the blonde hanging out underneath. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh. And, well, and the, the dressing because, rooms and the convertible mm -hmm. and all of the oh, things. the backstager was <laughs> yes. everything. I, was ta I talked everything. about that earlier because I had one. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, had, I had my sister's <laughs> it's it's oddly uh, one of the things I'm finding at flea markets and stuff. Actually, a very common piece to find that in the rocking roadster mm -hmm. and the state the full stage setup oh are gosh. the things I find more than I anything. Now they aren't perfect; they are damaged. The stickers are peeling off, but it's those things. It's like um, with a lot of the My Little Pony things. The Paradise Estates or the Dream Castle are the things I find nine times out of ten are the like housing pieces because I guess they're more substantial so they're easier to just see sitting in your your garage or your attic and those kinds of things but I think it's interesting that we're talking about kind of the reselling and like adult collectors because mm -hmm. uh, Laura knew this about me when I lived in North Carolina and a little bit in New York I was just so broke we couldn't afford them I'm a toy collector I love those kinds of things you um, still had plenty of your collections <laughs> I did, you I special did. shelves in our tiny tiny apartments especially for your collection <laughs> I did I did and they uh, were you beautiful collections thank you you can't see it here but the other third of my wall is covered in cubes that's just Funko Pops and Disney plush and 80s things and Squirrel Girl and it's a ton and so but I have a Gem and Pizzazz Funko oh, right here. I have um, one in my hallway. They're the, they're <laughs> the pizzazz, only I don't have well, Gem yet. Well, it's because, you know, it's when the only merch that we're getting from the line after 20 years is the Integrity Dolls. And they sold out so quick if you couldn't go to con mm -hmm. or you didn't want to spend the 300 that when the pops came out, I went, well, it's what I've. It's it's the only thing from the show that I have. <laughs> and I have a. Where are a, the rest of them, please? I have well, the pizzazz one because of Maddie. Maddie sent me a care package. Oh. I don't know how he knew I needed it, <laughs> but I did. Um, and it had pizzazz in there. But I just want to uh, um, butt in on YouTube boys yeah. real quick and say that the, I didn't know about the Integrity Girls until I met Eddie and he showed me his incredible collection because they are beautiful they, so well they, done they are everything my twin and i we we wait in anticipation for those brown <laughs> shippers to come in mm -hmm. and we open them up we take them out meticulously and comb mm -hmm. their hair and put on their accessories and then scott will stage them uh, inside the case and it's so much fun for us now like I mean we're 35 <laughs> yeah. and we're still playing with dolls but it it we we have the cartoon going on in the background mm -hmm. and it just takes us back to when we were kids wanting when, to get these gym yeah. dolls and then they just weren't available mm -hmm. to us 
When he says that they are staged, I mean, their hair is beautifully done, and then they're staged in these little scenes, guys, with with backdrops and shit. It's amazing. LEDs LEDs (laughs) that change color, and they all have multiple instruments and multiple outfits, and you're like, how is this possible? I want to spend all day in this room. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so for everyone at home, Eddie sent some pictures to our little group chat, so if he's okay with that, I'm going to share them with you all on social media, because they are everything oh, yeah, and you all 100%. have to see these they are they are so good they're just well and it's okay so i yeah i love i because this was the integrity dolls were coming out during the peak of monster high and i loved the monster high dolls because mm-hmm. i love anything that's you know this is the whole point you say you're 35 and playing with dolls but like that is what the high-end toy market that came about in the mid-aughts was because they realized that there's nothing stronger than nostalgia and ex nerds with a disposable income. Mm-hmm. Like Ooh, I reference that Mattel. Me, Maddie, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. again. Um, but, uh, when you do your My Little Pony episodes, um, the guy who right before the shutdown started, had just started uh, managing wicked his husband, or maybe it's him. I don't even know which one has a pony room in their house. <sighs> That's full of I love it. We'll have collectibles. To, we'll, have to, so. we'll have to get them on the show. Yeah, we'll have to look <laughs> you guys up. The high-end toys now, Mattel did it with the He-Man figures that they released. Mm-hmm. They released those really intricate, which I loved. I have a ton of the She-Ra ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but those they made for $20 and sold them at cons. So it was, then they made a lot more of them. Where the Integrity dolls, they only made a couple hundred of mm-hmm. each one. Or even now... Um, Hasbro is doing a My Little Pony line with like Dungeons and Dragons, Power Rangers. Um, they've alluded to a gem pony that's going to come out. So, yeah. uh, which I will, I will, I will be there if, for that. <laughs> if we get if we get a gem and possess ponies, I will scream. It would oh be so God. good. I would die. But, I love pony. But this is part of that kind of longevity of a franchise that could have gotten left behind because the world kind of gave up on Gem with the show because it had 13 episodes out in the third season. It ended and it got syndicated heavily, but it was always like a a 5 a.m. slot, a 6 a.m. slot. And so while people were still watching it, um, it wasn't until 2011 hit and the hub brought it back for syndication and they saw a huge spike because so many of the people who were teens in the 80s were having kids and they were or grandkids and they were putting them in front of the TV. And so they were rewatching these gem episodes for the first oh, yeah, time. I did even, it with the kids I babysat for. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and Laura, you and I even talked about that first DVD release wasn't a full DVD release. We didn't get the whole third season. Um and so what are, for both of you, what are your thoughts on kind of this, the longevity of a franchise like Gem? What is, what is important? Why is it so important that a, a series like this have longevity? Well, I think it comes down to the story and the writing that Christy Marks did. Like, she mm-hmm. created this world that was more than just to sell dolls. She wanted to put out good content. And the show, I just feel like the story and the messages that it has is timeless. It's dated because it's back in the the MTV era days, but, mm-hmm. you know, music's still popular. You know, it's just a different platform yeah. now. It's all on, you know, YouTube and, you know, social. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just a well-written show. I mean, there's a few oddball episodes in there. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. But, uh, you know, I just think that the writing and the story is what makes it timeless for me. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I talked a little bit about this earlier. I think it gives us, I think it, it could give um, a new generation of storytellers some really amazing stories to go on with as far as um, social responsibility because mm-hmm. of the uh, the foster kid and the chosen family and mm-hmm. and and the um yeah the even though even though she gets to be rich and famous she still owns this starlight house and mm-hmm. she's still trying to like do good in the world you know i think there's just such an opportunity and with there's an opportunity to have all of these have so much diversity and so much equity mm-hmm. in this show and even though this happened in the 80s and it was so awesome and seemed so revolutionary then to have these HBICs, as Maddie called mm-hmm. them, these women <laughs> with so much agency, these boss bitches, it's still revolutionary today, sadly, yeah. and we need more of it. So that's why I think it has a future and, and should continue. What I, what I think is interesting is that kind of in, in connection with that 2011 um, Revan- or re-release of Gem on on the Hub and then the Shop Factory DVDs coming out. Um, Hasbro had been noticing that their franchises of film were doing very well. So we were talking Transformers and GI Joe at this point. Whether they're good or not, they were doing well. <laughs> um, and so Hasbro, along with because they owned Milton Bradley, I believe it's Milton Bradley that they owned at this time as well. They sold like twenty five titles to Universal for development into film as well as made a contract with IDW for comics, for their building an extended universe of comics, which was shocking. And like Transformers has always had a comic, G.I. Joe's has had comics on and off. Um, But what was interesting is we then suddenly saw one of the first titles coming across for both of these was Gem and the Holograms. Um, And, you know, who hasn't wanted a live action Gem and the Holograms for years? Like every time there's a new musical surge, like that kind of revamping of pop music in 2009 with Lady Gaga, kind of re bringing in so much of that eighties aspect of house club music. Um, you know, Eddie, I told, I told Laura this, I was like, where was that Gaga? Uh, you know, when they announced the movie, I was like, Oh, cool. Are we going to get a Gaga gem movie? Like that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. makes sense <laughs> at that point. Now that I've seen star is born, I don't want that. movie. <laughs> but, but, but you know, it was that thing. And so I got really excited. No, I'm a huge comic nerd. So like for me, I was super excited for comic book as well. And of course, a lot of people, IDW is a really small publisher. Um, but does great publishing work. But a lot of people were like, who wants a girl's teen comic? And I was like, shut the fuck up. I want it. We all do. do. Well, and then as it was going, you know, like they announced that John Chu was going to be directing the movie. And I was like, wow, that sounds actually amazing. Um, And they, you know, I was like that he could make a great film. And so we were watching the development of these two things at the same time. Um, We're not going to talk about the movie because it was bad (laughs) and it was just a misuse of a property that could have done really well. Like there was no reason to not bring in people who had connections to it originally, Mm -hmm. uh, having cameos or just even that story of gem is really easy to tell. Just do it. And you're guaranteed a trilogy of movies. Like just set it up even with them as teenagers. Um, and something I won't understand is because both were being developed and both had to cross through Hasbro at the same time. You're great. <laughs> um, we both were being developed at the same time. I don't understand why there couldn't have been con- 
why they couldn't have connected the two. Mm-hmm. Because I want to talk with you, Eddie, now about the, the comics. Because Laura and I talked about there were just some things that were missing earlier from the show, which was body diversity. There was heavy pandering in how they did diversity, so it wasn't handled well, even though it was there. It was uh, not delicate. It was not great. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, it's so there was no queerness, obviously, because it was the 80s. But let's talk about the comic a little bit, because um, it was reintroduced by Kelly Thompson and trans artist Sophie Campbell. And so from the beginning, I knew the comic was going to be something special because they were bringing it up to date, which and making them teenagers, which could be uh, dangerous or could be exactly what they need to do. So what did you find when you were digging into those first couple comics that really made you happy as a longtime Jim fan that you thought really worked well? Well, I really liked how, uh, they used, uh, you know, originally Christy Marks wanted Jetta to be African American and Mm -hmm. I, you know, they, Sophie Turner and Kelly agreed that they should make Jetta, you know, African American. And I just loved having that representation, more representation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was just like a fresh rehash of this, you know, 20 year old, uh, mm-hmm. IP that, you know, just seemed right at every step, like just mm-hmm. the way that they carried it, you know, carried the characters over. And, um, uh, I love the body dot, you know, diversity with all of the characters. Like, yep. uh, you know, Jim, the doll was the only doll that had like normal proportions. So, yep. uh, you know, it was great that they, you know, took that and made, you know, a whole rainbow of characters because mm-hmm. Jim is very colorful. And yeah. I loved Blaze. Like, she was <sighs> everything. It's like... <laughs> so, so for anyone who's listening at home, which if you haven't read the comics, what's wrong with you? Um, but, you know, a lot of people haven't thought about Jim and the Holograms in 30 years. But Blaze is a new character that we... That they, they made a couple new characters for the comic. But Bla- So something really catastrophic happens and Pizzazz steps away from the Misfits. And Pizzazz has an incredible story arc in the comics as well. They do this thing where they make them all so human and so relatable even when the misfits are doing awful things. Um, But not awful in a way that I'd worry they'd get arrested at any point, really, except this moment with Pizzazz. Um, And it's that they also gave Roxy and Stormer and Jetta agency over Pizzazz in a way that they never did. So the misfits needed a new lead singer and they're auditioning and in walks Blaze, who has teal and red hair and yellow and she's a little taller and a little muscular than the rest of the girls but like she's really awesome and she's an amazing singer and she's friends with Clash and they get uh they give Clash a much better story in this too like she's not as insufferable <laughs> um and they do with Blaze the most amazing trans coming out story that I have mm. ever read or seen in media. It was handled so well because she was like, I'm worried they're not going to like me or want me to be in their band because I'm trans. And Roxy walks in and she's like, can you still sing? Are you the same person? Great. I don't fucking care. Let's make this album. <laughs> Let's do this. And it was... And it was literally four frames and I, uh, I, I had the pleasure of being on the e-board of uh, Comic Society uh, at my undergrad while the comics were coming out. And one of my e-board members was this amazing militant uh, um, 
socialist trans woman who is one of my favorite people. And I gave it to her and she just wept and was like, <laughs> this is... She's like, it's four frames. It's so amazing. And it the, in, the entire community stood behind this. Um, and also, at this point, we'd also... So in the animated show, um, Kimber and Stormer are unlikely friends mm -hmm. and even release when a song together. <laughs> yeah, when the bands break up. And so in this, they're setting up very similar things until we see them kiss for the first time. And so I'm they set up this... It. They set up this amazing, um, not damaging lesbian relationship between Stormer and Kimber, and they discuss the really dynamic, like, deepness of gender and sexuality, but, like, they just make it really short and sweet, and this is an all-ages comic, and so they just focus on let's keep making the music and supporting everyone, and so the comic, they also really leaned into the science fiction aspects of... Gem and they went far longer in the karmics than we ever went in the show. Oh, yeah. um, That's what I wanted more from in the show. Was like, can we go back to how her father created these microchips? Like, yeah, this is well, really powerful stuff. Should we be giving it to the government? Like, what's happening? Yeah. So I want to talk. I want to talk Jark Gem then for mm -hmm. a second. There is the third arc of the comics. So they bring in. I think his name's Pat Rat. Pack Rat, right? Yeah. He's the like. He's the weird guy that talks Pack like this Rat. that works for Eric Raymond. <laughs> um, <laughs> but sometimes his hair is purple, sometimes it's black, sometimes it's brown. Um, <laughs> well, he is a young um, hacker, and develop they find synergy. So again, it's like, how do we deal with gem when there's actual technology everywhere? So what is synergy doing? So synergy is... Again, it's that thing of you can have a trillion dollar budget because you're animating it as a comic. So you can do these things that would cost billions on film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he slips a virus to Synergy and she takes over the girls. Mm -hmm. And so I'll put this on our social media too. So they're like black and goth. pink and black and blue versions. They're like heavy goth and they're like taking over the music industry. So pizzazz and... <laughs> Pizzazz has to save the literal day and save the holograms. Um, that's not spoiling everything, but like it's also been out five years yeah. now. So like, <laughs> but when you guys, and then after that, I was like, what are they gonna do? And then we come back and we get uh, Blaze and everyone, and then we get stingers. the Stingers come in for the yeah, we get Stingers for their final arc, and they've done a couple more, but Hasbro and IDW ended the series, though Jim has showed up in their. Um, they have introduced the Hasbro comic book universe. It's like the MCU, but there was a literal infinity comic where it was the holograms, the My Little Pony girls, uh, the Transformers, the mask cast, uh, G.I. Joe, and one other in this extended universe that all they all get pulled together and they all go to war. Oh, wow. It is in it's stupid. It's insane. Everyone should read it. Um, <laughs> so. Seeing these kinds of things, I was disappointed when the movie just didn't succeed. So I think, you know, the, the comic ended in like 20, series ended in 2017, but there have been individual issues through 2019 mm -hmm. um, of kind of one-offs. And then Jim has been around. So they also did a mini series called Jim and the Holograms Infinite and Jim and the Holograms Misfits Infinite, where we do just a uh, misfit story. Um, so what does it mean for both of you guys knowing that like millions of people were buying this comic and bringing new fans into the genre? And so let's talk what that makes you feel and what that makes you hope for leaving 2020 
of what it could mean for a continued property like Gem and the Holograms. You want to go, Eddie? Oh, no, you can go. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a huge question. It's it's a lot. I mean, it makes me hopeful. I mean, the more eyes we can get on the property, the more likelihood Mm -hmm. that we can have more content in the future. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about the movie a little bit, and what I loved was the fan response to the movie. And you've seen the chick bait. Uh, Jim fan movie, right? Yes. Oh, that yes. Was like oh, yes. That was a great way of like, yep. you know, continuing the property and even doing a, mm-hmm. you know, a multi-universe like. Yeah, because we got some GI Joe characters yeah, in there. Yep, they, absolutely. They made Kimber uh, an android, so she's oh, like yes. this, we were right. this tech <laughs> that you know, uh, what is the bad guys in GI Joe uh, Scorpion? Cobra. Uh, Cobra, 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 Cobra Command, Cobra. that's yeah. what it is, uh, wants Kimber because she, you know, could be a weapon, mm-hmm. uh, just like Super Synergy. Soldier. But, you know, I, you know, I just love the fans of Jim. I'm on the Jim mm-hmm. forums all the time. So, yeah, just having more people see the property is, you know, makes me hopeful of, you know, a future with Jim. Absolutely. That's all I have to say. Laura, how about you? Well, as as someone who shamefully, I guess, has not read the comics but needs to, uh, it does Mm -hmm. make me happy that it has continued in such a way and and it has, you know, improved, I guess is the right word. It has Mm -hmm. expanded in such a delightful, inclusive way. And that that does give me hope for future things, whether it's more cartoons or another pass at that live action movie. I told Maddie when it came out, when I saw the first trailer for it, I was like, I'm angry that they got it wrong, but I'm also excited because of the fact that they got it wrong means that I still have a chance to get it right. (laughs) Absolutely. Right? I, 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 I rarely go as like a theater and like artist and designer. I rarely go. I want to do this and I want to do it better than they've ever done it before. I want to do it. Jim is one of those things that I, with my dying breath will fight to work on a Jim adaptation because I just, they, got it so wrong and it's so easy to get right that's the mm-hmm. thing for Especially me is it would have been so the first easy. season is the perfect movie script it's just perfect it never yes. stops it keeps going yeah. it's bam 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 and uh, you get to the end and they're having a competition and you're like how did this happen we got here also, so fast <laughs> also with john with john chu as the director it could have been a scott pilgrim style movie Dude. for jim the holograms which would have been oh, yes. amazing because then we could have gotten like an 8-bit Jim and the Holograms video game. Like, yeah. it's one of those things that it could have been good. And so, Eddie, I don't know how you feel about this. I put the opinion out that I would love to see like Noel Stevenson, who did the she revamp with DreamWorks. I would love to see DreamWorks, which is a universal property. Mm-hmm. Take Gem and give us like a, a Netflix series. Yeah, I'm there. Give us a she yeah. like wishing for it. I'm praying Me too. for it. <laughs> Because those those um, cartoons were amazing. 
So good. Well, and even so like good. now, now that Disney's a lot of the Disney plus content has been really good. Some of it's kind of rough, but like, you know, the Marvel stuff has been so good. Dazzler is one of my favorite mutants. And I found out today that Jem was inspired by Dazzler because she sold so well as a girl's what? comic. And I was like, all of my, it all makes sense. It's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. Um, <laughs> but like, I would love to see like a fun, there's no reason they couldn't do a fun, Disney plus series style thing for Dazzler, but also like see universal do something like that for Netflix. Give us like a full lean into it. But Mm -hmm. I also think animated works so well for this because again, the season two and season three got so ridiculous of like her being a race car driver and then being stuck in the jungle. You can do animated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's like also why I never want a live action She-Ra or He-Man, frankly, one, because Masters of the Universe in 87 was so mad. Oh, it's so um, But, like, bad. I... It's it's that old theater idea that like what what horror is done off screen or off stage is always going to be so much worse than what they would be able to show us. <laughs> um, you trying to make up something in real life is always going to be so much harder than just animating it and doing, especially now that more people than ever are taking animation in. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like even there were so many aspects of Jim and the holograms that were that Steven universe took. Like there were just, I mean, we talked about That's it in exactly the group chat. Say. We even talked about it in the group chat that a, a rainbow quartz with rose quartz and, um, uh, uh, Pearl, Pearl. Yeah. look like they were inspired. She was inspired by dance. So mm-hmm. like, you know, it's one of those things that also, can we talk about video and dance just for a second? We didn't talk about them earlier, but like one, they have some of the best character designs. They're great reoccurring characters, mm-hmm. but also like, they were like, we need these characters because we can sell more dolls, but what do we call them? Well, she's a choreographer, so we're just going to call her <laughs> dance. And she's a videographer, so we're just going to call her a video. Yeah. And it's like... Just like the main but, Asian character's name is Asia, but we're going to pronounce it Asia. <laughs> but it's Asia, because she speaks with a special accent. Special uh, accent. Oh, special accent. It's, it's like Halle Berry's X-Men accent. It was but, different in every... Yes. Every, yeah. But, but it yes, was I, always the questionable. The cartoons now... Well, you got Steve universe which can be watched by children i'm assuming but so mm-hmm. much of these cartoons because of the way that we grew up because of the way that mm-hmm. us elder millennials grew up um, <laughs> watching these cartoons and because of the invention of cartoon network because of these um uh these creators who were like there's a market for this with older people like so many of the cartoons yeah you, the kids can watch them but they're really actually being created for the adults mm-hmm. out there and they're wonderful mm-hmm. yeah well i mean even i'll reference the short-lived um thundercats uh, r- uh reboot which was there was a thundercats um, ma- yeah It was on Cartoon Network, and because Cartoon Network Uh, wouldn't support it enough, I think now if it had come out two years later and had been one of the original shows to go on Netflix, it would have been much more successful. uh, Um, Netflix, bring it back. It was was a similar, it was a lot of the team that would go on to like set the foundation for She-Ra at DreamWorks or, you know, so it's one of those that I even think now it's worked so many times or with Voltron has done so well at Netflix and it's so good. They're another one that's like, let's flip this 80s property on its head. Like it's just going to keep getting better. And I think 
well, one, also, we all grew up watching this stuff, and now we're the people that have too much student debt to not work so much that we just make so much content that we die. Yeah. Um, like, we're the, we're the ones that are making the Steven Universe and the She-Ra. We're running the studio. So, like, now is the time. Yeah. So, my artist friends, let's... <laughs> Let's get a let's get that gem series running. Let's sell it to Netflix. Let's go, yes. friends. <laughs> so, friends, thank you all for being on the show with me. We've got one more thing we're gonna do today. Ooh. Oh, I'm so excited because this is the first episode of Saturday Morning Conf- Confidential. We are going to do trivia every episode with our guests, and this isn't uh, this isn't like the world's gonna end if you get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just friendly comp some friendly competition. <laughs> I hoped I didn't make these too hard. Some of these should be fun. It's also my way that we can talk about some other things. So let's not be afraid to riff between some of these questions. <laughs> um, I I'm. You know, we're going to keep track of points, but like, uh, whose line? The points don't matter. It's all made up. It's like gender. It's like gender and time. It doesn't matter. And it's all made up by stupid white, white people. So, so what we're going to do is if you know the answer, raise your hand and will, uh, whoever raises their hand first. I can answer. And, Do I have uh, to raise th- my hand inside the Zoom meeting, or can I just raise my hand on the video? <laughs> oh no, on the video, like on the video. Flip, flip it, Laura. Don't be crazy. Um, and then the other person can steal if if the first person gets it wrong. So are we ready? Are we ready, Starlight yes. Girls? <laughs> yes. Great. Ready? Our first question. Uh, the first question is. The Starlight Girls were a spirited orphan group living in Starlight House, providing a quirky and troublesome auxiliary cast. Name any of the Starlight Girls who received their own dolls. There are three. Eddie. There's Bonnie and Ashley. Uh Uh-huh. Do I have to name all three? Do you know the third? No, Uh, no, one was five. One was five. Bonus point. Uh, (laughs) And the, the third was Chrissy. Chrissy, Chrissy. Our 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 dr- our our, uh, our drug addict uh, Starlight oh. Girl. I think she was the drug addict one. Did she um, have a I bag don't... of drugs in the box with her? <laughs> <laughs> it was the eighties, so little bag it of blood. It was the eighties. <laughs> little so- little something for mommy. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> I gotta say, sometimes those Starlight Girls they did amazing things with them, but like Bonnie being blind and trying to the figure out who her like was? soldier father. Uh, I always. Laura, so Eddie, Laura and I always joked that that was the sequel to Miss Saigon and it was years before Miss Saigon was actually written. But it was like, yes. it was like Brian came back to America and then his child got sent to the U.S. And it mm-hmm. wasn't actually a boy, it was a girl. Yeah. It was a girl. <laughs> it was a girl. Um, great. So que- uh, next question is, in season two, our two-part finale entitled Hollywood Gem and the winner is, we find out the gem is nominated for an Oscar for her performance in her film debut. What was the name of her film? Oh. oh. It's just the Starlight do, movie, do, isn't do, it? Do, What's it called? Do, you're close, Laura. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 Go for it, Laura. Just, just guess I, That was all I can think of is the Starlight movie, but I know that's not exactly right. See, this is the point where I'd want to phone a friend, but my friend would be Eddie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, it's great. It, it's hard. I'm going to say that there was an 80s pop song from about the same time of the same title. I believe by Paula Abdul. I could be wrong. Nope. The title 
is Starbright. Starbright Star the movie. Starbright. Starbright. Yeah. I know right. she didn't win. No. She didn't win. She I did not that. win. Um, but, okay. Also, <laughs> can we talk about the names of some of those women that were obviously supposed to be Sigourney Weaver, but it was like Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. <laughs> like, and... <laughs> And like it was like an older actress who was supposed to be any of and like Meryl Streep was one of them and it was just like okay y'all this is art imitating life that's yeah. so funny well they had uh, I love it. Lena Lerner who was supposed to be Tina Lena Lerner uh huh Lena Lerner oh that was a great episode though with her son that was again that was another episode where they like subtly talked about like race issues mm-hmm. within the music industry again Laura brought that up earlier but it's it's again it's all the things that they've like done and figured out and not been able to do that's just so interesting that um, I'm working on a Golden Girls podcast right now that we're talking about kind of like how they changed how people watch TV and they tackled issues in 1985 that nobody else had tackled and so this is that same time that we have people who are telling stories that hadn't been told before and a lot of times the 80s get a bad rap of being the National Lampoon's movies and things but there were people who were trying to change things at the time which I love. Yeah. Great. Our next question Throughout the show's three-season run, we find that music is quite the family affair. Which of the show's many band members is related to drummer Craig Phillips? Oh, I know. It's my, <laughs> it's my favorite misfit, Stormer. Mary it is Stormer. Stormer. That's right. That's Mary right. Phillips. Oh, the mis- oh, she's so she's so great. She was everything. She's a great character. She was my favorite. My favorite. Stormer well, was I, the best. My favorite gym. Uh, my favorite. Uh, Misfit, sorry. She was your favorite Chris. Yeah. The yep. So we kind of answered this earlier. So let's see if you all remember. In the show, we find an unlikely friendship and two characters set up to be enemies. In the 2015 IDW comic run, these two enemies become much closer than friends. They are girlfriends. Name these characters. Stormer, Kimber, Stormer, Kimber. Forever. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Forever. Oh, and it's so good because Stormer, like, Kimber is this almost too thin, tall white girl with an undercut and, like, amazing, like, punk vibes. And Stormer is this, like, beautiful, short, plus Kirby, size girl. Yes. And their their love is just so pure. And uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to cry. The comics just made so good. me cry, like, many times many times uh the trades are like 11 dollars on amazon everybody go buy them when when we're not in uh actually don't buy them on amazon go support your local comic book shop hey and laura you can borrow mine (laughs) i have most of them i Uh, I had all i had them all but i lost them in the fire yeah yeah uh, great. Jim has been a rock star, a CEO, race car driver, and even a Broadway star. Finish this lyric from Broadway Magic. <gasps> Frantic rehearsals, opening nights, strike up the band. Turn up the lights. Oh, sorry, turn up the lights. Close. Uh, uh, that, that's all. Strike up the lights or turn up the lights. Sorry. Something like that. <laughs> that's what I was going to go with. <laughs> Bring up the oh, lights. Bring, up, bring the up the lights. Yes. A little Broadway Play magic, magic tonight. <laughs> uh, that, I think, is my favorite gem dress. That pink with it, the like, oh, yes. frill so and her her hair, which they totally stole for, for Rhea's 
character design because yeah. it's just yeah. that big pile with the side. That's the integrity doll that I cannot track down for the life of me. She's so expensive she's and I want one. her so hard. But she's so pretty. <laughs> um, so great. Pretty. So our next one is the women of the holograms are multifaceted artists and talents. What is Shayna's other career? Eddie. Uh, she does fashion design. Yeah. For the Countess du Fassant. Yeah. <laughs> she does. Who she then quits and walks out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And rejoins. Yep. That's those are great. I love the episodes that are about the the hologram girls because they give him uh also they let that was one of those moments where Shayna just like throws it down and she just gets so sassy with them and not like a offensively like white people writing for a black character, but like <laughs> she owns I well just as like as a designer yeah. And like a theater, like I feel like we've all worked with bosses where we go, we can deal with the abuse because this is worth it and my career will be done after it. Mm -hmm. But I've gotten to that Shayna point where I said, you know what, if you're going to fucking abuse me, I never want to work with you again. So I don't care what your opinion of me is. Mm -hmm. And the people who work with me won't believe that. Soapbox away. There we go. Also, remember that time Ashley stowed away in a trunk that got thrown into a river? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, can we... Can, the the B plots of these episodes were always <laughs> so batshit. Like, I feel like you could do a whole podcast on the ridiculousness of the B plot when the A plot would be like believable <laughs> to a point. Or or you could tell these that the, they shot the the Starbright movie and some of these gym uh, music videos before the unions because like you'd be like, how is that falling down right now? Why is this catching on fire? How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, yes. That's because you didn't have a union rep. On, nobody from. <laughs> Sag after was there. That, Nobody from IOTSI. Well, they address that whole thing in the movie with the um, with the guilds, with the um, yes, they do mm-hmm. with the um, stunt coordinators and all of that. And you're like, yep. yeah, where's the safety precautions? Yep. yep. But I will say that like. Um, there was that one woman that stepped forward and was like, Jericho, we'll make the movie happen. I was like, that's your lesbian stage manager. Shit will get done. <laughs> yes. That's how that movie got finished. <laughs> Great. So our next question. Jim the Holograms featured many amazingly talented voice actors who were at the top of their game. Susan Blue is the voice of the blue-haired bad girl with a heart of gold, Stormer. Can you name another 80s show that she was a voice actress on? I'll give you a hint. There are a lot. Uh, Didn't she do voices in Transformer? She did. So just a short, she was actually my favorite Transformer. Uh, leave it to me to always love the female character, RC, who is the white and pink Cybertronian car from the all-female Transformer planet who was in the movie and maybe a love interest to Optimus Prime. I didn't know that robots could get sexy. But I want knows. a movie just about them. Oh, they're amazing. They are very cool and they've done much more with them in the later series. Um, but just, uh, just, um, uh, an over blossoming of her her CV was My Little Pony, which you can really tell it's like dust. She's dusty. Yeah, all the leaves. They yes. said she and Storm, Dusty and Stormer are the exact same. Transformers, GI Joe, Moon Dreamers, Rose Petal Palace, the '80s Jetson series, the real Ghostbusters, Flintstone Kids, Galaxy High School, Brave Star, Scooby Doo, and the Ghoul School, just to name a few. <laughs> but I had to say Scooby Doo and the Ghoul School because that was one of my favorite properties. So like our whole childhood, pretty she, much. She was our whole childhood. Yes. She was, 
I, plus, I think she had, I think Stormer had the best v- just speaking vocal quality of yes. all of them because she had that rasp, that yeah. like scratchy. So I also sexy. feel like I also feel like she's the only one that wasn't blowing her vocal cords doing that show because oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them did say that they were they recorded six to ten hours a day in Burbank to get the show up. That's oh, too many. that's what Laura we didn't talk about later with Britta Phillips, oh, the amazing. singing voice of Jim. She's amazing, but the problem was she wasn't super trained, and they had her. It was her first job. Reaching. It was her first job. Her dad, her dad wrote jingles. And so, and like they had her screaming at the top of her range. And she thought many times that she was going to permanently ruin her vocal cords because they had her recording 10 to 12 songs a day because there are 150 original songs. So many songs. So many songs. (laughs) Well, they said every episode had about three episodes, three songs. And it wasn't until the end of season two that they started um, recycling songs again so that they could happen like hey this sounds familiar well and they would recycle the song but some of them they actually just use songs from season one again but it was so they could bring those songs back into the tape and it was cheaper to produce because i imagine what it was like because they recorded the music in atlanta and new york they recorded the show in la Burbank, and then they just made it work together. They were one of the first shows with G.I. Joe that used a digital, they would write everything on computers. They would put it to these then digital um, bulletin boards that connected with a modem once an hour, and that's how they would send scripts back and forth because the woman that found that made Jim was a story writer on G.I. Joe and Transformers. And so she got Jim and they had to run everything through there. They sent animatics digitally. Yeah. They were some of the first that used technology to make the show in this way, like pre-internet. Like it is amazing. They said they had to learn formatting. They had to go out and buy it. Could you imagine a pre-computer world or that first job where they went, you need to go buy a computer. Like in 1984, so being told to go buy a home. Yeah. So big. <coughs> you got a mortgage. So gigantic. Mortgage right. Yes. Like, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like a $4,000. for this. Well, and it's also like, how much were they getting paid at that point to do a mock-up for this show? Right. Yeah. To know that, like, it's, I mean, now she had already bought it for Transformers and G.I. Joe, but like, I can only imagine now when they, when I had to buy, like, drafting uh, software for the first time to be a designer. And I was like, mm-hmm. what do you mean I had to pay $300 a year for this program? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Um, so... For centuries, we've battled over what came first, man or woman, the chicken, the egg. Which was developed first, the show or the dolls? This is kind of a trick question. Uh, (coughs) We already talked about it, but Eddie's got it down. We did. Eddie, yeah. The dolls were developed first by Bill Sanders and Barbara and her husband. And Mm -hmm. originally, Jim was going to be M., uh, mm-hmm. But they could not trademark the letter M, and they were also <laughs> right. afraid of getting sued by Barbara Streisand because she was the marvelous Mrs. M. And uh, so they were thinking about doing Misty as her name, uh, but then went with Jim. Uh, but nice. so, yeah, to answer your questions, the dolls first, then, yeah. <laughs> then the show. They- <laughs> And was it's that kind of Streisand a trick question. Or was that Bet? It was oh, Bet Midler. Sorry, yeah. sorry, it's the yeah, Divine yeah, Miss yeah, M. Sorry. Yeah, there's gonna and be. And she, yeah, 
and she would sue you. Yes, the gays are screaming in their the car right now. The gays are screaming right now. I think the gays, oh. I think it's a, a gay in Burbank just ran off the road. Yes. The divine but then I have to, miss uh, The divine miss My um, card is getting taken away. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you have, you have a gem room. Your card can't get taken away. That card, the card is laminated to the wall. It's like, try and take it. Um, though, I did find out today there are a couple documentaries I watched, and it was they, like, they were begging to see the mock-up of the dolls while they were developing the characters and all these things because they did want them to inform each mm-hmm. other um, because they learned the hard way with He-Man that they released these toys before the show could get out and nobody was really buying it. So, but you are, you are correct. <laughs> and the writers for the show were like, how am I going to retcon all of this stuff? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's right. so much easier if we develop it together, guys. <laughs> So we also kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, too. So here we are. Let's see if anybody at home remembers. According to The Toys That Made Us on Netflix, the 80s were a battleground for toy companies like they had never been before. Not daring to be undone by Hasbro releasing a fashion doll line, who developed a competitive line of dolls to destroy Jim and the Holograms, and what was the name of the rival group? Barbie and the Rockers. <coughs> yep. Yes. And what company was that, Laura? Mattel. Yes. Yay! Uh, so our I next question. The books. Yeah, I never saw any yeah. of the cartoons or anything, and I don't really there remember was... the dolls. But I had a couple of the Barbie and the Rocker books. I think I had I... one video from Barb that was Barbie and, th- and the Rocker. Well, I think there might have just been like one forty-five minute special. Like mm-hmm. that was that's probably it, what I and they made it just for that, and it was. Made by one of those Korean animated studios that got pushed out real quick. It's not good. It is available online. It is not great. Um, Along the road, we meet many friends of Jim and the Holograms. Can you name three who are lucky enough to receive their own fashion dolls? Three friends that had fashion dolls? Three of the friends, like three auxiliary characters who are friends of Jerrica, Jem, and the girls, who also got a doll in the toy line. Does Rio count? Rio does not. I was, okay. uh, I didn't include Rio in this. <laughs> so there's video. Uh-huh. And there's dance. Uh-huh. And then there is also friends, not foes. Friends, not foes. Yeah. So not Clash. Yeah, not Clash. I might have gotten this last person wrong. She might have an integrity doll and not an original doll, but I thought she had an original doll. So there was a few that were planned to have dolls in the third wave, which was Regine and uh, uh, Astral. Um, Oh. Does the Countess have an integrity doll? uh, The Countess does have an integrity doll. Does she really? Okay, so the last one I was going for was Lindsay Pierce, because she is a friend of the holograms. Did she have one? I thought she had an original line, but I could also be... Again, I probably messed this up. I know she has an integrity doll. Yes, she does. I know she has it. And it's a love... That face sculpt Uh, is lovely. I would have gotten Um, the originals if if video and Lindsay mixed up, because they had that same asymmetrical Yes, they were... Essentially the exact same character design. Yeah. They did that quite a bit too. Um, I just want to talk about how Dance looked like a Rainbow Bright character grown up. Because her hair. Yes. How did her hair exist? Like in the anime, she had all those like puffy. She so killed all gorgeous. those My Little Ponies for those pony. She stacked. <laughs> she stacked every. She was Lady every, Lovely Locks. Are either she you was Lady Lovely Locks. I do. She had little animals in her hair making those Mm -hmm. tails. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. 
Oh man, Lady uh, Lovely Locks I, was clip-ons, but they were like little mm-hmm. animals that were connected oh, to her hair. Okay. Yeah. I oh, and I I just love dance. I love her effort. I just love her design. She's really great. Um, great. Bands grow, and sometimes their members change. When you're making a toy line based on an iconic girl group, you want to release more dolls. Named the two members who were added to the Holograms and Misfits and what instruments they played. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, Laura. So we've got, um, we've got uh, Britta. What was her name, right? The British one? No. For the Misfits? No? Close. The sound is right. Oh, crap. Now all of their names went out of my head. I'm sorry, Eddie. You have to go now. <laughs> okay, so there's Jetta. She plays uh-huh. Thank you. sexy Jesus. saxophone. And then there's... Wh- so sexy. Go ahead, Eddie. Finish. Rhea Alonzo. Uh, mm-hmm. Who plays the drums? Yes, <laughs> not stereotypically at all. But Laura, uh, Laura, I'll give you that because I know you knew it. And Rhea had great hair too. Yeah, such good also. hair. Oh, I loved, her. and she had overalls. She kind of looked like Megan from My Little Pony grown up. <laughs> I loved it. Um, what's funny is it's noted noted that the Misfits, out of all of their songs after Jetta joined, only three have saxophone that can be heard in the song, <laughs> but she is seen playing in every track. But there are two songs that she plays. <laughs> she plays guitar as well. Oh, guitar! But that's yeah. also that guitar. also sounds like Jetta, where she'd just be like, "I'm gonna be in the back. You all keep doing it. I'm gonna be here. My face is the money maker. <laughs> I'm just gonna dance with my oh, saxophone. I, I'm gonna dance with the saxophone." And she had that badass black saxophone. Yeah. Oh, as a woodwind player later, I was like, where do I get? The-? And it's a tenor sax, too. Like it wasn't a, oh, it wasn't an outside sax. It was a tenor. Ooh, oh. So next question. Jim wore some of the most iconic outfits of the 1980s, but certain ones just stand out. What sparkling episode of the show was created at the request of Hasbro to bridge the first and second seasons and usher in the release of the second wave of dolls? I know you know this. <laughs> I'll say the first part. You say the last part. You ready? Yes. Glitter and? Gold. Yeah. Here comes gold, glitter, glitter and gold. Here comes gold, glitter and gold. So like good. one of the also one of the most iconic songs oh, in yes. that show. One of my too. favorite episodes. Also, ooh, and re- can we? This is going to be a, a Rio appreciation minute. Can we talk mm, about Rio, Rio for a second, y'all? The purple hair. He is not white, mm-hmm. but he is. He will die for those girls and he almost does several many, many, many times. times well it's not several a gem episode unless someone's life is in danger usually it's hers true. <laughs> he did have a short fuse uh, though that was his one down he did mm-hmm. but most of the time it was to protect the yeah. girls and it, he was always there like he was the one who like when he walked away from them a couple times i was like Get out, Rio. You go. You run away. There was a friend of mine. We were so, we got really drunk one night, and she was like, I want to make a gym in the holograms AMV, which for any weeaboo or anybody who's not a weeaboo out there, AMV is an anime music video. And so she made a video of Get Out by JoJo to all the times Rio walks away from gym. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> It yeah. includes some of Sean and the other boys as well, but it was, I was, I, this has been our Rio appreciation moment because uh, Rio's a babe. And that that's also hard in a live hot. action to find a man who I feel 
Ooh. Oh, and then the integrity dome. And they come up with a new face sculpt. Have you seen that one? No. They have a new glitter and gold Rio coming out with uh, Riot and Jem. It's a set of three dolls, and they have a new face sculpt, and he looks so handsome. Mm-hmm. Also, let's talk about Riot for a second. Riot was fine as well, but Riot was as gay as they oh, come. Yeah. He was he was <laughs> hitting on all the girls. But also, the Stingers were icons of style. Oh yeah, like every hips yeah. every hipster alive dresses like the Stingers oh, now. Yeah. Like yeah. that giant black yeah. hat. Like the a Stingers bra. and the Hex Girl. <laughs> oh, a bra. Yeah, I, I want to see a tour of the Stingers and the Hex Girls. Like that's just what I want. <laughs> I just I need that tour. Okay, so last question. Because who gives a shit about the points? It's tied. Um, <laughs> this has been fun. I'm just having fun hanging out with you guys in quarantine right now. Um, um, not all shows begin the same way. Uh, what is unique about the broadcast? I'm sorry. Let me. Second go. Not all shows begin the same way. What is unique about the broadcast of the first five episodes of Jim and the Holograms? They were... Oh. Yeah, go, Ed, go. They were part of the Super Sunday. They were like 15-minute segments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were shown in six-minute chunks during a program block called Super Saturday or Super Sunday, depending on where you lived, during 1985. And they were so popular um, that they uh, were later revisited to be rebroadcast when the show went to full production for a 1986 release. Um, Because the whole point was they needed they needed it to be engaging enough that the boys didn't change the channel and the sisters would come sit down and watch to continue the block. (laughs) And that was the point of that. Um, And again, history has been rewritten in a way that like we think Jim and the Holograms isn't nearly as popular as it actually was. And I'm really happy to let everyone know that it is not just the three of us that love it. There are millions of Jim fans out there who have kept the legacy of Starlight Music alive. Thank you all so much for being on the show with me today. It was so much fun hanging out with you, Eddie. It was so lovely meeting you. We are now part of the the Jim family forever. I'm so excited. (laughs) So um, I have one question for each of you before we go. Um, If when you, if you could tell the audience where they can find you online, if they want to, if you would like people to find you online and tell us what your favorite Jim and the hologram song is. Oh, that's a hard question. So my favorite Jim and the Hologram song is Nightmare. I just think oh. it's fun. And, Great. Uh, I love Nightmare. It's like one Wait, of the first that one. You see uh, Jim in her iconic uh, Hollywood Jim outfit. So that's one of my oh. favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Can you hum a few bars? Give me Nightmare. Uh, I don't know if I know nightmare, that one. Nightmare. 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 It's something about being stuck in a nightmare. Uh, but yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> and that was what, that was one of the reused songs that they reanimated for a later episode about like world hunger or something terrible. There was a big eye in the sky. It was a lot. Oh, I think uh, it was the and drug Eddie, episode. if you want people to find you. On... <laughs> oh, that was the drug. Yeah. It was the drug episode. Cause there was like a, me- a methed out sullen girl yeah, in yeah, front yeah, of yeah. The, the red sky. <laughs> yeah. That well, cause that's dare culture time. So that's when dare was, yeah. was running rampant. So, and Eddie, where can people find you online? If you want them to find you online. Oh, you can find me on Instagram at E Ariola two. Uh, and yeah, there. <laughs> Great. 
great. Instagram's a great place. So Laura, your your favorite, you, Laura, your favorite gem moment and, or gem song, and where they can find you online. I think my favorite gem song is from early on. It's it's the Come on in, the water's fine. Da 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 da. da. That da, one's one da, of my da, favorites. Da. <laughs> yes. Where she's and a plus, mermaid. she's like swimming, and she found a treasure, and then yes. she's a mermaid, and then oh my gosh, <laughs> so good. And also, just like where's, just like the beginning. Where's that integrity yes. doll? Where right? is that integrity doll? With, sorry, Laura. <laughs> just like the beginning of the charity shindig one, because it's they mm. they show up and the the wind from the helicopters blowing them on, and it's. People say the world is in terrible shape. It's so dramatic. I love oh, it so I love much. It. It's so good. It's so good. And then I'm I'm not that great at social media, but I am on Instagram and I'm gonna start I'm gonna say it out loud here because I have taken all the pictures and written all of the posts. I just haven't been brave enough to post them. I'm gonna start posting about um, my adventures in finding um, comfortable clothing that I feel fabulous in as a curvier woman because I think that I spend a lot of time not knowing where to look and then I spend a lot of time mm-hmm. on the internet figuring out where to look. And so I just want to help out other people who might be feeling lost like I did not that long ago. So um, I love that. And I think I I'm just that. Laura Best Jernigan. I think I'm just Laura Best Jernigan on Instagram. Great. Yeah. Great. That's me. And we'll have both of you. Uh, we'll have both of you tagged in in all of our social media posts for this. So, thank you guys. Me and my- Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Moss. Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our circle of friendship. Where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives? Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... Thank you all for joining us for the first episode of Saturday Morning Confidential. Uh, Thank you to all of our new listeners and thank you to all of our listeners who journeyed with us from Dole Whip and Dreams. As always, don't forget to like, subscribe, download, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Follow our link tree on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to us on social media, our Patreon, and everywhere that you need to know. Check out our Discord with the rest of the amazing shows from certain point of view. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday after our first episode for our incredible interview section. Now, in just a few weeks, we'll also be launching our mini-series, Beyond the Grid, where I take a deep dive into the first eight seasons of Power Rangers with some amazing guest interviews. You will want to make sure that you check it out. Thank you. 
thank you to Brett Eagleston from the Let's Rewatch podcast for the use of his song, Things Will Be Better This Time, over our ending credits. Now join us next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.